Hi, and welcome back to the East German Fashion History Podcast. For this month, we'll be focusing on the GDR's ambitious textile industry, its setbacks, and the role DIY culture played into all of this. For this episode, we'll take a, a closer look at the ambitions and ultimate legacy of synthetic fiber production and its material culture in the 50s and 60s. The first half will explore a general chronology of developments and setbacks, while the second half will go into three major synthetic fabrics that defined the material culture of the GDR. On our next episode, we'll pick up with the developments of the 70s and 80s, as well as dive into DIY fashion and clothing. Now, DIY was born out of an inter-to-post-war existential necessity that really blossomed into a trend for the latter half of the 60s, and we'll look at how synthetics relate. Generally speaking... There were some chronic infrastructural problems with having a planned economy, and this really became ever more pronounced in the garment and textile industry as there were acute shortages and surpluses, even into the 80s. Teil 1, Part 1, the 50s. So by the early 1950s, SED party leader Walter Ulbricht was already advocating for the dem domestic production of artificial fibers, as he believed this was the key to achieving many of the SED's political and economic goals. Funny enough, this was a shared belief of the Nazis as well in their common quest for autarky. With a steady and consistent production of high-quality synthetic threads, the SED believed they could, one, end their expensive reliance on imported natural raw materials, two, increase exports, three, raise the standard of living of citizens with long-lasting fabrics. But realistically, though, The 1958 chemical program stipulated may have stipulated dramatic improvements, but it was really slow to take hold. And quality didn't match quantity, despite the heavy publicity. Now, here are some figures to show how rapid and half-baked this was. During the 1950s, exports doubled between 1950 and 1955. And the total production of synthetic fibers rose from 3.6% in 1963, 36% in 1969, and 90% in 1980. So quantity, however, can never really be equated to quality. And this issue with good quality is historically rooted in East Germany textile production. But we have to think about clothing production. Now, in order to make a garment or a textile, this can involve over 100 steps from sourcing material, harvesting, refining raw material, to spinning and dyeing yarn. And the GDR textile industry experienced major problems throughout every single stage of production. The initial difficulties... Um, with quality started with pre-war Germany, which had imported its entire supply of cotton and a large portion of its wool. Because they were able to afford this, the Soviet Union continued with this wartime trend and increased domestic produ 
but also increased domestic production of spun yarn, which had very strong capacities. Even though this was to be their strength, though, East Germany and East German factories spun yarn of poor quality, and problems with chemical preparations often stopped the production altogether. So imagine being a project manager or working in operations. This, this, must, have, this must have been a constant headache. At the same time, there really wasn't much investment in synthetic fibers, so the regime had to increase imports of cotton and wool from the Soviet Union and other East Bloc countries to replace the low quality of yarn. Imports, which compromised half of the GDR's raw materials until the late 1960s, were of relatively poor quality. Low-grade cotton and wool would be combined with cheap dyes and would create dull drab colors that bled through after the first washing. And this was probably where the stigma of East German fashion being known as for its dull drab colors could have stemmed from, among other, other things and biases. Throughout the 1950s, the GDR used other socialist countries and especially the Soviet Union as a sort of dumping ground for surplus production. A lot of this wasn't even dumpable and was thrown away even for Comic-Con countries, which which were severely economically disadvantaged countries like Bulgaria and Romania, would just throw in the trash. Eventually, Soviet bloc countries were saturated with all of this stuff, for lack of a better term, and it was nation states like Czechoslovakia, Hungary, and Yugoslavia that produced less expensive and better products than the GDR. Now, one major achievement, two major achievements of synthetic textiles and production in the 50s, however, was the massive branding of Malimo in 1952 and Dediron in 1959 and their production. 60s. So we're in 1963, and this is a few years after Dediron was launched. And this is indicative of the GDR's initiative for synthetic fiber production because the East German government then releases a stamp that says, Deutsche Demokratische Republik, Chemie für Frieden und Sozialismus, which translates to the German Democratic Republic, Chemistry for Freedom and Socialism. Personally, as a side note, I'm always very reluctant and suspicious of countries, really any country, West, East, North, South, that overstate the importance of freedom. It's like the old adage about good writing. You want to show it. You don't want to tell about tell it. Now, throughout the 1960s, especially the latter half, prices for textiles and garments increased dramatically because the increased use of synthetic materials. So from 1966 to 1970, men's outerwear prices increased by 30%, women's by 35 and children's by 40%. Side note, children's clothing was often subsidized by the government. But even these these increase these dramatic increases are not the most sustainable or economically sustainable, I would say, for the average middle class East German, and that's something we'll get into later in our second install of this this month's episodes. 
In October of 1967, the Polite Bureau signed a resolution for the construction of a huge, giant chemical fiber processing plant, the VEB Textilkombinat Cottbus. And an additional expansion of the chemical fiber combine in Guben of 1959. Now, this was to be a 1.5 billion mark investment to produce and process polyester and polyurethane with the goal of steady, profitable exports to Western countries. The irony of this was that it would require 16 million mark import of Western knitting machines. And subsequently, the GDR had to import millions of marks worth of polyester fibers until Gubin was up to speed. So there's the irony. But like the pattern of drastic surpluses and shortages that we talked about earlier, this was just really another case of too much and too late. Now, on season one, episode six of this podcast, where I survey 60s fashion and presented a personal account of what it was like to work in the textile industry, I visited the personal account of Ulrike Zushi. So, Ulrike, she was a textile engineer in the 60s in Saxony, which was the epicenter of the industry, especially in Karl-Marx-Stadt, now known as Chemnitz. Zuchi was like many East German women in their 20s. She had a job, a husband, a child. And it was really rare to have stay-at-home moms unless you were of a higher class or intelligentsia. During her career, she recounts, and this is what I've translated, she says, quote, When I went to the West before the wall came down, I saw the masses of clothes they had and thought, they don't need what we produce, and we make so many exports. It was like a culture shock. We may not have had a lot, but we made the most out of what we did. Now, Zuchli goes on to stress that a lot of the fabrics they produced had brilliant colors and of good quality, but the majority of that would be exported to the West. Now, for an interesting context for fashion of the 60s and 70s, this is at the time where she had been working and living, one of the major trends that she would have come across and possibly worn were paper clothes. Now, this was a micro trend from the late 60s to the 70s, and it was also a huge, all the rage kind of fad in the West as well. The first collection of paper clothes to appear in the GDR was in 1968, and it sold out so quickly that the fabric was turned into fleece to expedite things. Now, these weren't actually made out of paper, but had paper like quality. To get these colorful, geometrically patterned garments, you just had to cut out a pattern that cost 11 marks and 50 fenigs, and this was made out of 60% viscose, 20% dadiron, and 20% polyester. Now, after two times, you usually had to throw it away, but the best part is no hemming needed, so you could just cut it at the length you wanted and wear it. Think of it as an actual starter kit for individuality and something that we'll cover in the next episode. One of the major synthetic fabrics produced in the 60s was Präsent 20 in 1969, and we'll get into its nationalistic significance later.
Now, by the early 70s, the GDR wrongly predicted that the polyester program would surpass West Germany's production level. Sadly, though, there wasn't the demand they expected as Western countries began to shift production to new, lighter synthetics, and they would mix synthetics with natural fibers. So again, another case of too much, too late in hitting this well-known, what was called the Chemiefaserwelle. East German, now before we head into our next section about synthetic fabrics, I'd like to summarize by saying that even though the GDR experienced severe challenges, lagged behind the Chemiefaserwelle, and had infrastructural weaknesses that caused more setbacks, the textile industry was still seen as a success. The East German fashion historian Erika Thiel remarked that in the 1970s, the role of fashion designers was to, quote, merge the art of production with the purposefulness of beauty. And like much of the socialist fashion ideals that favored science and technology over creativity, the GDR in a way had superseded this belief. East Germany was considered a sort of test kitchen within countries of the East Bloc for research. And the use of plastic in industrial design and synthetic fabrics. Plastic and Dediron, which we'll talk about next, were seen as sort of the ultimate socialist materials. And if we want to talk about socialist material culture, that's, that's where we're headed. Now, at fashion shows, the outfits designed by the DMI Deutsche Mode Institute used Dediron as well as the classic and traditional Plauna lace. And this really is, if you think about it, a uniquely branded socialist German product or collection. Hungarian women's weekly Nok Lapcha, uh, apologies for the mispronunciation, congratulated the DMI and its strong relationship to the Textile Research Institute, saying, quote, Thus, the chemical industry has a very important role in the GDR's clothing production. That is why they export to every part of the world, including France. The main advantage is that each outfit is worked out scientifically. The other secret is that everything is made out of nylon, but using a special methodology that allows air to circulate throughout the dress. Note that the author refers to it as nylon and not as dediron. Teil 2, part 2. Now moving on to our second half, I'll be discussing three notable synthetic fabrics from the GDR. First step, you guessed it, dediron. If we think about denim and what it is to America, Americana, then dediron is really that equivalent to GDR and its material identity. And it was found in everything. You can still find dress shirts and smocks in the DDR museum today, but dediron, which is essentially nylon six, was renamed and branded in 1959. And it was produced by the following people's own factories. And get ready for this. This is going to be a bit of German coming your way. For all the textile nerds, you're going to be excited. Um, just hang on, and I'll also list these companies in the blog. So Dediron was, Dediron was produced by VEB Chemie Faser Kombinat Wilhelm Pieck in Rudholstadt, Schwarza. 
Secondly, it was also in the VEB Chemiefaserwerk Herbert Wanke in Wilhelm Pieck Stadt Guben. And in the VEB Chemiefaserwerk Friedrich Engels Premnitz hergestellt. And if you think it's the same Engels as Marx and Engels, you're damn right. So Dideron, spelled D-E-D-E-R-O-N, was named that way to mirror the DDR, the Deutsche Demokratische Republik, Republik, or in English, the GDR. And it could be found in everything from stockings to pretty much any women's, men's, or children's wear garment. And fun fact, when I did a quick search on eBay Germany, I came across a plethora of Dideron aprons in the most prismatic pa patterns, ranging from three to 28 euros, but you can also find it on Etsy. Second up, Präsent 20, or present as in current, not as in a gift. Now, this was a fabric developed as a present in honor of the 20th anniversary of the GDR in 1969. Some of the others included color television and the Berlin TV Tower, which I think are hard to compare to as gifts. But if you check the blog on Monday, I have a quick YouTube clip about this whole event, the anniversary. Anyway, so this was made of a polyester silk that was ironically imported from West Germany to be produced in Cottbus on a circular knitting machine. Now, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with this, a circular knitting machine is what's used to make socks and stockings. This was also a versatile fashion fabric that was great for outerwear, but also had a very static quality. Now, the general consensus of the success of Präsent 20 is a wary one. On a GDR info card, these are individual sheets that discuss everything from eating ice cream, Christmas shopping, and popular magazines in the former East Germany. The general remarks about Präsent 20 were that the textile industry and the textile machine buildings, building of in the GDR has a good reputation, some say, by the day, but Präsent 20 will appear on the market. That is, of course, an exaggeration, but it is correct that the initial euphoria that accompanied the launch of the product gave way with increasing skepticism. And this skepticism was, I think, a nationally felt belief uh, or philosophy, I think, in terms of GDR citizens, because they were constantly experiencing well into the late 60s, these dramatic sur shortages, surpluses, poor quality, hard to find items. So of course, it was met with skepticism. Additionally, now, if you're interested in purchasing any vintage pieces made by Präsent 20, you can still find a few items on eBay Germany. For an example, I found a men's suit jacket for 79.90 euro and a women's skirt for 6 euro. Now, last of our synthetic fabric roundup, Malimo. While this was in the 40, while this was first developed in the 40s, it got its initial patenting in 1952 when it was a, this is more of like a towel-like fabric. And Malimo is not only a fabric, it's also a machine, and it received limited success in the UK and in the United States. By 1954-84, there were 1,000 machines producing a billion yards. Now, what is Malimo? Well, it's essentially stitch bonding. 
Stitch bonding is a technology that uses non-woven sewing and knitting processes to produce a variety of fabrics, which would be used for home furnishings and applications. Now, if you'd like more information on this, I would recommend the book uh, Malimo Co. Mode in der DDR zwischen Traum und Wirklichkeit, or that relates that translates to Malimo Co. Fashion in the GDR between dreams and reality. So this is more of like a technology than it was like a hard core synthetic fabric. Um, and this book can be found at abooks.com for I think $29.80. You'll find it on Amazon, but they won't ship to America. Now, you can find examples of Malimo on eBay Germany, from hand towels for €5.90 to fabric calendars, bed sheets, and even a bathrobe. And just a side note of another, another fabric that we, we won't get into, but another man-made fabric that came out of the GDR was... Volkrilon, which was a blend of wool and polyacrylonitrile, and I have I will have images of those ads up on the blog, and I believe that was a '50s '60s innovation. Sorry if I hadn't mentioned it earlier. Now, concluding, so we talked a lot about shortages and surpluses with clothing, as well as the GDR's delayed efforts to hit the synthetic fabric trend. And then, a satur- and then how this saturated the market, both domestically and internationally. And this was, of course, a long list of problems with the fashion textile in- industry that was, that was growing in East Germany. On our next episode, we will explore a solution to this and the rise of DIY, which wasn't just a trend, but again, it was a fundamental necessity for households across East Germany. Thank you, and don't forget to check back on Monday for notes from today's show. Bis bald, and I'll see you in two weeks.